Tis I, Lord Podcast. Are you yearning to equip yourself with the confidence to record? Elijah, the skilled podcast professional, is preparing himself for a tale of tools and skill that only a mighty podcaster may employ in one's podcast journey. Elijah, I do believe that we shall teach our weary wanderer the confidence that they strive to achieve. Shall we start a podcast? We shall. It's settled. Let's start a podcast. Perfect. Uh, we look professional. We sound professional. We're all set. Pascala <laughs> is here with me at Present Tales. We're going to learn about how to become more irresistible than chocolate cake, maybe perfecting <laughs> our public speaking skills. Does that sound familiar? I, I don't know where I got that. Goodness. I don't know where you might have got that. <laughs> the magic of having so much social content out there. You're, you're a credible storyteller, and, and you're just a whole lot of fun. To, all these energetic costumes that... I don't know. You you have more costumes than drag queens do, for the record. It's fantastic. You it's have nice. no idea. <laughs> and, and a lot of people don't know about the adversity, how you'd stop at nothing. You, you're paralyzed. You lost your career because of that. And you had to start all over again to figure out why. And and I don't even know if your two pups were involved at that point. How did this all come to be? Goodness. And that's a short period of time. Goodness. Yeah, it all just happened very fast, to be honest. So how did all of this come to be? So I, yeah, I grew up in the Netherlands. That's the accent that people are hearing if they're thinking, what is that accent? Um, I grew up in the Netherlands, small town girl, countryside type stuff. Moved to the big city to become an actress. (laughs) It's literally like that. My mother played Tinkerbell in the musical Peter Pan, and I fell in love with the theater from there. So I've always been obsessed with human interaction and the way that we can portray a character. So did drama school in the Netherlands, moved to uh, the UK to do my master's, and all along I've always done shows. So I've been on stage since I was four years old, which, believe it or not, is is possible. (laughs) So... Did that for a long time, ended up on the West End doing all kinds of cool stuff, and then had a stroke five years ago. So oh. I, yeah, oh, became paralyzed on the left-hand side. So the right side of my brain didn't get enough blood, effectively, so it's an ischemic stroke where there's not enough blood and oxygen within the brain, which means basically it just shuts off. And luckily, it opened all again. So I survived. I am... Um, well, relatively okay now. I don't have a lot of paralyzation anymore. So if I get really tired, for example, or I need to do some really fine motor skills with my left hand, it's not going to go great. (laughs) But other than that, I am absolutely fine. But it did mean that my my career in musical theater was over. And I knew that the moment it happened. So that meant I needed to figure out something else, right? So you can feel sorry for yourself or you can just give yourself kick up the butt and do something. It's nice. It is positive, though. You can rid of the Peter Pan tights because I don't think they're that comfortable, are they? Especially if you're four and you're dancing around, you're all cute. But when you get older, Uh, it's a little different. Not great. Not great. I mean, I don't. People ask me, do you miss musical theater? And I go, no, because it's such hard work. You never have a day off and you are hungry all of the time and forced into uncomfortable um, costumes. So, no, I don't miss it. Fair. And that part is a blessing, right? You get to try it, you get to experience it, you can have a great time. And now you don't have to wear those um, incredibly fascinating costumes, if I may say. Fascinating indeed, but definitely not comfortable and don't recommend wearing them ever. No. People don't always understand what the power of, uh, how the power of um, public speaking can intertwine with podcasting, but 
for for me, if I, I was worried about going through an episode of my podcast and my mind suddenly goes blank because as you can probably see, I have big cat energy, ADHD. I see squirrels and shiny things and I'm out. And then the panics come, the ahs happen, you start to babble and you don't have a co-host. I don't to keep on track. What's the answer? Do I give up? Do I cry in the corner? Like, how do I recover from this? <laughs> it's very simple. You just take a step back. You stop talking for a second to say, hold on. I got to think about what I want to say next. You just stop. Either check your notes or go back and within your brain and then you start again. I think there is such a pressure on speakers, whether that is on a podcast, whether that is on stage or on a panel, to be this perfect thing as if you, as if I'm looking into the camera right now with like a, an auto cue running by. It's not like that. You are human and you can celebrate in that humanity. So if you need to take a step back because you need to think real quick, do it. It's okay. It's totally fine. That's it. Just just take a minute, second, a however minute. long you have. Yeah. Yeah. Just take however long you need in order to be, you know, effective in your, in your communi communication. Wow. I've done a long day of speaking. <laughs> but what you want to do is just give yourself that time. Be nicer to yourself. Don't think you need to be this perfect person that always speaks everything perfectly. No, you can be human. You can just say, give me a second. I'm going to check my notes. And the great thing with podcasts is you can edit it out. Yeah. What happens if you're a DIY or you're a hobbyist that is a one person show that doesn't always have this time for editing and you say a lot of ums and ahs and you get distracted? Are there any tips to kind of get rid of some of that um, speaking habit so that you don't have to edit as much? So, of course, you can always practice at becoming a better communicator. When it comes to your ums and ahs and those non words, like the word like, really, very, those are words that people use a lot that are not always very functional or the, the common, like the common, um, well, um, uh, nobody wants to hear that. So what you can do, you can grab a tennis ball mm -hmm. and as you know, you, you just start talking. So you start talking about your day or your favorite holiday or your favorite childhood memory. And every time you catch yourself saying a filler word, you throw the ball against a wall and you catch it and you continue because what that does, it turns the filler words into something physical because it happens before we even know that it's happened right it happens really quickly it happens within the brain and when things happen within the brain it's very hard to get them into control because they're intangible so we turn it into some, something tangible so your filler words become the tennis ball when you say your filler word throw it against the wall catch it and continue because it just shows you how and when those filler words come up which means we can then start working on them do I get treats if I'm if I do good at this? Is that <laughs> part of, part of it? No, no, unfortunately, no. <sighs> you're not one of my dogs. <laughs> oh, my golden retriever gets all of them, including the crackers that she begs for and you know, yeah. a little piece of ham. But uh, what are you gonna do, right? Same with my dogs. They would eat my finger if I let them. <laughs> Really? She, she just kind of gnaws on it, like just gently try to slobbers all over it as a thing that she does to put herself to sleep. I'm like, really? Yeah. There's got to be a better way. Yeah. But no, I'll, I'll stick to the tennis ball. That'd be good. Yeah, go for it. Do, do you think that I speak too fast? Some people think that I should speak slower. Is that a thing? Oh, when if another person tells me just speak slower, I am going to slap Punch them. them. Because oh. <laughs> it is, you know what? The whole speaking slower is not the problem. It is mm -hmm. adjusting your timing as you see fit. So it's like with a song, right? If if you listen to a song, it starts a bit slower, then it speeds up, and then you know it goes through different rhythms. It's the same with when we speak. It's okay to speak fast, but just sometimes make sure you also speak a little bit slower. So it's just 
adjusting the timing, but you don't need to speak slower in general or constantly in order to be well received. As if you speak quickly, that is fine. Just make sure that you enunciate correctly and that you stress the right words so that people know when to pay attention. Sounds really easy. It is. <laughs> have you been since you've been doing this at four? It comes natural to you, so it's yeah. it's a piece of cake for yeah. others who struggle and overthink this stuff. It, throwing a tennis ball and just taking a break seems like it's second nature. I know. You know. But the thing is, I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect mm -hmm. all of the freaking time, and it's like you don't need to be perfect. You need to be clear. I don't care about perfection. Nobody cares about perfection. Actually, we look at, you know, if you look at loads of data on presentations, when people are perfect, we don't trust you. By all means, make the mistakes because it makes us trust you more. Is, is that how you coach your CEOs to get seven-figure TEDx talk gigs? Like, yeah. People at that level seem to have so much scrutiny, scrutiny and, and a sense of perfection. They're, they're, they feel so visible and seen, right? Is that yeah. kind of how you think about it? Yeah, I was literally with one of my clients at lunch today, and we were mm -hmm. talking about, you know, big seven-figure keynotes exactly like this. He's like, wow, yeah. how do I do that? Um, and, you know, TED Talks and all of that stuff. And I was like, well... Because he did Toastmasters, and I love Toastmasters. Let's mm. let's make that really clear. It's a really good, great place to start your public speaking career because it just gets you those flying hours, okay? It gets you exposed mm. to public speaking. It gets you into a community, and it's really nice. But what it also does is it sort of makes you into this perfect person, like a puppet almost, right? You're like, and now I'm going to present. So you become a presenter, and that is a very dangerous thing because a presenter it's not a thing. You still just need to be you as a human. So instead of focusing all, all the perfection, saying all the right things, all the right words in all the perfect ways with the perfect voice, let's focus on who you are and turn that into something interesting. If you are somebody who talks with their hands a lot, talk with your hands by all means. But what we need to do is make it functional. So instead of you just flapping your arms about like some crazy duck, we need to find out how you do that, why you do that, and how we can make it more functional for you. Even though my wife hates this, the the eyebrows, how would I incorporate that into my keynote speaker uh, events? Would that distract people, or could I play off my sense of big kid energy somehow? Oh, I love big kid energy. So with the eyebrows, it's quite a funny thing when you do that. And if you would constantly do this as you speak, it might become a little bit annoying, okay, if I do this yeah. all the time. Your but... practice, well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you use it as a as a tool, so for example, if I say something cheeky and I then go like that, mm. then it's absolutely fine. So mm. again, it's becoming aware of what you're doing because a lot of people are just not aware of the things that they do automatically, right. <laughs> like the flapping of the arms. Um, so making that awareness happen, that will turn it into something functional because it's who you are and it's part of who you are. So why would we change that? Let's just make it more functional. And, and those uh, who have really brought introvertedness and introverts to the spotlight, uh, do you want to celebrate them even more because they're great listeners and they're afraid of going out and, you know, they, so they have this introspectiveness. This big, yeah. Yeah. There's this, this big myth that introverts are terrible at public speaking, that extroverts are automatically great. That's bollocks. <laughs> Let's take that really clear. Okay. That's absolute bollocks because 
extroverts are more comfortable in the spotlight doesn't mean they're better at it because they're often the people that just talk and talk and talk without a real purpose okay introverts are people that are way more introspective they think about things much more deeply it takes them more time to be ready to get onto the stage but when they are ready they're often really really good presenters the difference is that when an extrovert is done talking they'll be going into the networking pool and be like woohoo yes hello wasn't i great wasn't i great wasn't i great the introverts will be like i now need some time for myself because it drains the battery so depending on if you are an extrovert an introvert or an ambivert doesn't matter that doesn't decide if you're a good or a bad speaker it's just knowing what you need in order to prepare in order to how you want to be during your speech and how you're going to treat yourself afterwards that's so the only if I go to the major um, European or American podcast convention, I probably don't want to sign up for eight different podcast uh, speaking events in a row because then I, even if I was ambivert, I, I'd want to have a nap halfway through. Just oh, know yeah. yourself. Yeah. yeah, just know yourself. Just know what you need. <laughs> it's that easy. I it like is that. that easy. It's just, it's just celebrating humanity instead of cool. celebrating perfection respectfully, I'm just waiting for you to pinch me because it seems too good to be true. It's uh, it just like, just think about it. Just just take a break, throw a tennis ball, uh, take a breath, celebrate yourself, know yourself. It's done. Easy. It's I just done. learned Pascal's course. It's fine. That's it. I mean, there's loads of techniques you could learn. And obviously, there are ways that we can train the voice, we can train the body language, we can train the facial expressions. Of course, the yeah. most important thing is that we keep you being you and not turn you into something that you're not, because that's never going to work. No. Oh. Do you celebrate individuals and train them through your video vamp challenge? <laughs> One started in October. It's been kicking ass. So I yeah. Hope. So we do a quarterly challenge every quarter. So we did video vamp, <laughs> which started as a joke and then became a real thing. Okay. So this was, uh oh, shit. Now we have something, um, which was quite funny. So we did four weeks of you know, group cohort style training. And then we had an in-person event in London, which was a great success. Because what I did, I told everybody to make a video because that was what it was all about. These were all people that struggled with video creation. Okay. And then we put all their videos on the big screen, which is pretty cool. So we all had popcorn and a drink. And then, you know, we, we showed oh. their videos on the big screen, which is really, really cool. And now we're doing one again in February. That is not about videos. That is about uh, master your message. So it's all about how do you get clear on your messaging? How do you write keynotes? How do you write good presentations? And basically everything to do with storytelling. Um, so that should be good fun as well. Is, is there a particular cost for this sort of thing? Is it by donations you just give to the uh, Pascala's charity of, of dogs? Or is, is it a freebie thing, just kind of like a, a thing you do because you're a nice person? So I'm quite a nice person, but I also need to eat. So <laughs> it is um, these things run. So we have always have an early bird price and then a or super early bird and early bird and then the normal ticket price. But right now we're still in the super early bird phase and that's only 50 pounds. So 50 pounds is not a ridiculous amount to have four weeks of fun. You get access to the whole group. So we have like a WhatsApp community so they can all chat to each other, make great new friends and learn a little bit together. So 50 pounds, bring your own popcorn. No problem. Bring your own popcorn. Well, even the popcorn is provided. If you're coming to the live event, we will have all the drinks, food. It's all there. That's lovely. It's a, a pretty reasonable. Uh, it, hopefully, you get more than veggies to eat oh, after yeah, that. We, that's great. We look up so quickly for these things. It's really that's good fun. That's really cool. Yeah.
I, I think I have a spot, soft spot for hardworking entrepreneurs like yourself. You have a present tales. I have my journey. I'm on growing my humble business as a podcast mentor, manager, part, uh, audio production pro. But what does present tales really mean to you? Oh, gosh. Well, to me, it means a lot more than just a business. For me, it is um, finding myself because... When I started Present Tales in September 2022, yes, wow, I can't believe it. It feels like years ago, but I was in a very bad place. I had done, you know, I've worked in multiple industries and gone like, this is shit. I had my passion. That passion was obviously taken away. The musical theater life was taken away from me. And what am I going to do now? And I was at the time working in a company where I just, you know, didn't feel like it was my place. And I quit from one day to the next. I just quit. And then I went into Google, how do you start a business? <laughs> so literally. I, yeah, literally like that. And that's literally oh. how it happened. How do you start a business? And well, I got some great people that I knew who had started businesses, who I asked for help, didn't listen to any of them <laughs> because I'm so stubborn. And because all of them gave me different tips. And I was like, well, clearly it doesn't matter how you do it. You need to find a way that works for you. And I knew that I wanted to do public speaking coaching because my heart's always been on stage. I love telling stories. And in my years in corporate, the four to five years that I worked in corporate, I saw people present and I was like, this is terrible. And I can use my knowledge of being on stage to help people do this in a way more exciting manner whilst making them feel great about themselves. So that's when Present Tales was born. It's um, For me, it was... It, it saved me. It really saved me from a life of unfulfilled work. <laughs> it saved me in every single way. And I'm now, I couldn't be happier. Like, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. I want to give up like twice a day. <laughs> but it's also giving me so much. It's giving me new friends. It's given me, it's really challenging me to constantly reinvent myself, right? I had no idea what LinkedIn was about 16 months ago or 17 months ago and i had to figure that out i've never done any marketing i've never done any how are you clever with words you know seo all of these things i never thought about it so this year has really taught me to think deeper and and think smarter work harder work smarter so there's it's been it's been an incredible journey so to me it's absolutely everything you broke the rules of society fearing the fear itself but you say that we should embrace our fears, like hit them head on, smack them in the face and just be a part of the journey. Why is that? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? What's the worst thing that could happen? So when people are afraid of themselves, you, you, it's really that easy just to say, forget it. It's just head on, uh, go for it, see the light and see what happens. I think it's asking yourself different questions, right? And I see this with my clients, for example, all the time. Like, why would I do that? And I'm like, why wouldn't you? Ask the other question, because you're asking questions out of fear. And I think being afraid of fear or like not doing something because of fear is is the most stupid thing you could possibly do. Like that's maybe really harsh, but not doing it because you're afraid, that's a terrible reason. Terrible reason. Not doing it because you think, oh, well, what if it doesn't work out? What is it? What if it does? What if it does work out? Different question. Do you find that's a lot of your material that starts off with your coaching? People are stuck in their head. They're fearful. And they say, please help me be the yeah. the, the fairy godmother of the Netherlands that you uh, dream to be. Yeah. No, that's that's what it is. I have to 
give people a slap on the wrist sometimes. <laughs> my, my clients can attest to this, <laughs> that I sometimes go, listen, yeah. we're going to ask you different questions now. So it's also teaching them to change the mindset, to, you know, say goodbye to the negative self-talk. We all have that. What about the positive self-talk? Nobody talks about that. Nobody teaches us how to do that because we live in a world where we can always do better. We can always earn more. We can always give more. Okay, what about enough is enough? Okay, mm. just go and do your thing and ask yourself the opposite question. So next time you have a negative thought, what is the opposite of that question? Try to answer that because I can bet you that that answer is way more exciting. Focus on that because fear and excitement sit in the same part of the brain. You can't yeah. feel both at the same time. So it's interesting. So it's it's a, a ever fighting battle in it your is. head between fear and excitement. You choose which one wins. That's your choice. So you go to Toastmasters to get the polite the slow claps, and then you yeah. go to yourself at Present Tales and then get slapped on the wrist. And <laughs> yes. it's magic. That's how it works. Yeah. That's, and people I figured out. Yeah, they fig- go away feeling great. Figured life out. That's nice. Well, I haven't figured life out if I had that. Then, um, you know, I would probably be sitting on a big boat somewhere. <laughs> <One of yours. laughs> you've got to figure it out for the balance, though. I mean, you've separated yourself from the hassle culture and you're dedicating a quarter of your life to your husband, who seems lovely. He's in a dapper suit with your two dogs on socials. Yeah. And that's yeah. part of life. But were you? did you always have the luxury of being able to spend that much time at home and or building away from building your business? No. So when... So if you look at the musical theater part, I was never home. Then I looked at my corporate career. I was home, but I wasn't home. I wasn't present because I was, I, it stressed me out so much. Then I started this business and all I thought about for the first six months was my business, right? I was, wasn't talking about anything else. I was obsessed. And I realized very quickly that that was going to kill me if I continued doing that. Because what I did, I made the, the very common mistake of linking my business to me as a person. And that's a big problem because if my business was doing great, I was doing great. If my business was doing bad, I was doing bad. You can't have oh. that, okay? So I realized that I needed to keep control of my life. I didn't want to become an employee within my own business. I'm the business owner and I need to be founder. the business owner. Yeah, I'm the founder. Yeah. So right. yeah, I started dedicating some time to me. And in the beginning, that felt selfish, like all the normal feelings like guilt and all these things, you know, started flooding in. And I still get that sometimes, right? In the evening after dinner, I have a rule that I put my phone away and I I don't look at it anymore. And I'm like, what if a client messages me? What if a deal comes in? Or what if I, what it, shouldn't I be working right now? Shouldn't I be working on the next cool thing? And then I'm like, well, if I'm not doing okay, if I'm not taking this, this, this mental break for myself, then my business is never going to do great. There's a saying, right? If you press stop on people, they start. And that is true. I need that time to relax. I need my two hours every day to go for a hike and, you know, to be with my family and for myself. Those boundaries are huge, aren't they? Boundaries. Hey. <laughs> so learning about emotional intelligence, thanks to my partner. And of course, you know, moving through a chapter in my life with divorce many years ago, but that started. Uh, the journey to self-happiness. And then I'm learning all these things about, you know, circle of influence. And I have three emotions that I can deal with. Super proud of myself instead of just one, you know, and that's kind of the joke where you just searching for things that matter and hopefully public speaking matters to many people and not just you. Yeah, it seems to do. And a lot of people get very excited by it. And it's something we do constantly every day. 
when I come home tonight, I tell my partner about my day. That's public speaking. We all do mm. it all the time, right? And, and you can gauge your success if the eye rolls come out or the, the tune out <laughs> to the cell phone or petting the dog. Like, I, I'm just loving the dog. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm curious, do you still see musical theater as something enjoyable to participate in as a guest, as a viewer, or do you scrutinize everything and just ruined it for you? <laughs> I've never liked musical theater. <laughs> but, and this, okay. Yes. So um, I don't like musical theater necessarily because I, I always think it's quite boring and a bit much. <laughs> but Interesting. I like doing it, which it's a funny thing, isn't it? I like doing it. I like being on the stage and being in control of the story and being able to share in that story. But now mm. I have watched shows ever since, but it's not like you will be doing me a favor to go, oh, should I go and watch Les Miserables? And I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah. Oh, don't get me started. Um, <laughs> no, I am not a huge musical theater fan. And when I do go, I, I see everything that goes wrong because I, I look at different things. Mm. So for me, it's always work. That feels like work now. Mm. That doesn't feel like a, a day off. It feels like work <laughs> still. So, yeah, not really. Maybe Shakespeare would be a better oh, no. uh, transition. No, no I have That's traumatic. It, it was a traumatic experience doing Shakespeare. It's, it's, I'm never it's, doing it's, that again. It's and you hear the internal moose of the cows when you're watching Shakespeare. That's uh, that's it's, a thing. Yeah, I don't understand how people can watch that and not fall asleep. That's a, that'll be uh those sound effects. I'm I'm it's inside perhaps or a, a novelty uh, inside your life, a personal thing of of the farm and the uh, the nightmares that you have from the cow yeah, experiences. Probably. Another podcast, perhaps save you the stress. <laughs> Holy cow! Shakespeare. <laughs> this is. But it, yeah. most importantly, people love to know how to make money, right? And grow and monetize their podcast or public speaking or even getting into public speaking experiences. Get that sec fi seven figures. But have you had the luxury of um, um, understanding, I guess, those how you've created those inbound leads, like multiple dozens a day that come in to your perfect client? It just happened <laughs> by magic because you're nice, right? Um. So, no, unfortunately, there's a lot of thought that needs to go into that. Um, have I figured it out? No, absolutely not. Do I have a process? A little bit, but what I'm really, what I think has really worked is trial and error, trying mm. things out. So I will try for three months. I will try this tone of voice, or I will try this type of messaging. So if you look at my LinkedIn profile, for example, in the beginning, it was long, long texts with lots of information. Mm. Nobody cared. Then I moved into really short text, which actually missed a lot of context and loads of emojis because I thought that was cool and that's what the cool kids did. Uh, again, wrong, didn't work. Then I started working. I've worked with a guy called Nick Brukema. He is an amazing content designer and he helped me with my content strategy. So he told me about the tofu, mofu, bofu stuff, which is like the top of funnel posts, the middle of funnel oh. posts and the bottom of funnel posts. And that helped me to diversify the way I talk about my business. So I'm now sharing more about me because Presentails is me. Okay. So Presentails mm. is Pascala. Mm. So I needed to build up my brand, so tell my story, share my, share, you know, things about my life. Then I need to talk about client success. That really helps. So talking about client success, showing client proof, you know, people that have done video testimonials, written testimonials, getting it out there, client results, and then showing my authority by sharing how I do this or how I teach people to do that. So that's it. That 
do I have I got it figured out? But no, I don't think anybody ever will because the world of money changes constantly, right? So I think be you. As long as you're staying yourself, you will attract the right people, but you might need a little bit of help to just get the messaging quite right. Mm, let's start a podcast. <laughs>